Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preacher's contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, fans. <laughs> Welcome back to Godsplaining. It's like the world's worst Harry Carey impression. I'm so sorry. Well, everybody, hi. Uh, welcome back to God's Planning. My name is <laughs> Father Patrick Mary Briscoe, and I'm joined today by the great Father Gregory Maria Pine, uh, my classmate, uh, fellow brother in holy religion. How are you today, Father Gregory? I'm doing well. Um, apropos of, you know, unconventional entries to a God's Planning episode, the last episode that I did with Father Bonaventure, after like 45 seconds, I was like, I, I can't in good conscience just send this through the editing machine because I have said nothing so far that's intelligible. I was like, <laughs> it was like the Tasmanian devil Amazing. does God's planning. And so I just put in a big seven second pause and then restarted the episode. And Father Bonaventure was like, yeah, I totally took it in stride. Thought you had a stroke. No problem. So, um, yeah. So here's to Harry Carey and to other unconventional entrances to a God's planning episode. I'm doing well. Thanks. Nice. Wow, that was a lot. So yesterday, um, <laughs> some personal news. Yesterday, uh, Father Jacob Bertrands and my, oh gosh, that was not grammatically correct. Yesterday, St. Dominic's Way of Life, a book written by Father Jacob Bertrand and I, <laughs> was uh, was made available. So it arrived in the warehouse at our Sunday Visitor and can be found nearly everywhere books can be purchased. Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon. Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen a copy yet, Father Gregory. I uh, have, because you sent me one. Dominic's way of life, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Jokes are fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyone that's listening, watching, please buy the book. We put it, <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, just why, why not just be totally shameless? We wrote it in honor of St. Dominic. Uh, this year, we're observing... The Order of Preachers is observing the 800th year of St. Dominic's, uh, the 800th anniversary of St. Dominic's death. So it's a special jubilee year. It, death is not like the, uh, the anniversary of death is not like a normal thing to celebrate. You know, I'll just admit that very frankly. Um, mm. But for us, it's kind of a big deal because the day of St. Dominic's death, uh, because of his sanctity, is viewed as the day of his entrance into heaven. So the day when he began his great eternal work of... Um, well, everlasting work of praying for our efforts here on earth. So it's a pretty sweet deal. Oh. You know? Yeah, that We've is got a pretty our sweet patron, deal. our founder, now heavenly intercessor. So the, we, we pray a prayer at the end of Compline some nights. So we have different antiphons to St. Dominic, and one of the ones that we pray, the O Spim Miram, O Wonderful Hope, it asks St. Dominic uh, insistently for his prayers because St. Dominic said, uh, just before he died, that he would be of more service to us, he would be of more use to us after he died than during his life. So he's a powerful intercessor. One of the ways in which you can grow in your devotion to him and call more, I don't know, more insistently upon his intercession is by learning about him. So I can think of a couple good books, you know, there's Father Guy Bedwell's book and Father B. Jarrett's. And I'm <laughs> None of those books matter. About, Don't pay uh, attention to those yeah. books. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great. I read it and I liked it, and I think it's good. Wow, but that—that's a ringing endorsement. We should have put that on the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You done good. Um, all the best. See you later. Yes. Yeah, so okay, cheers. now check out this artful transition.
One of the things that is not known by many people about St. Dominic is that the order has this very old custom of understanding that St. Dominic passed his entire life without ever having committed a mortal sin. Which brings us to the topic of today's episode. Yeah. (laughs) Mortal (laughs) and venial sin. Um, So, Father Gregory, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Bows. Uh, Father Gregory, what, uh, what do you think? Where, where should we start? We're, t- we're talking about categories of sin. And, you know, I've just said two words, mortal sin, venial sin. Well, those are four words. They're two different things. However, mortal sin and venial sin. Uh, w- what's the distinction? Why does this matter? Yeah, I think that um, the reason for which we care is in large part informed by our practice of the sacrament of penance. So you know that when you go to the sacrament of penance, you're responsible for confessing all of those mortal sins that you have committed since your last valid confession. And that being the last confession at which you didn't withhold anything. You know, you made a good act of contrition. Excuse me. You made a good examination of conscience. You said what you could recall. You were pardoned for your sins. You didn't, you know, kind of purposefully omit certain details, which the confessor would need to know. Um, so, So mortal sins are the main obstacles to the life of grace, and as a result of which we want to be clear on what constitutes mortal sin. We don't want to just say, like, only mortal sins matter, venial sins don't matter, but it's helpful to distinguish insofar as mortal sins and venial sins pose different kinds of obstacles to the knowledge and love of God. So I think that's where a lot of people are coming from, and it's good, you know, it's like a, it's, it's a very healthy, very excellent motivation for drilling down on the distinction. Yeah, I think there are many ways that the practice of the Catholic faith just maps on to our experience of reality. Like we know that in friendship, in relationships, there are some offenses which are really not that big a deal. Like am I even going to bring up to Father Gregory that, you know, he really smells bad and it's difficult to sit next to him and choir? Or do I just let that pass and, 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 just, and just, just allow that to be not a big deal? But so, so all of us have this kind of natural process that we go through in our relationships and our friendships, right? where we decide like, oh, something, something is not that big a deal. So in my mind, it makes perfect sense that in our, our friendship, our relationship, our loving relationship with God, that there would be some things that are, some things that are of more gravity and some things that, that are, of, you know, frankly, just of lesser gravity. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the tradition, I mean, apart from the kind of a natural analogy, in the tradition, Father Gregory, where, where does this come from, this distinction? It's, it's interesting. As you mentioned that little... Uh, distinction between the types of things that you do and don't fret in friendship. I think that's really super helpful. I think that's really super. Um, I need to go back to speaking school. Um, no, because because in we're going to put that on the back things... of the Dominic book too. I really think that's yeah, super exactly. Helpful. <laughs> like like I really think that's super helpful. Yeah, totes magots for sure for sure. Um, because in a friendship, there are certain things that you wouldn't address because it's kind of understood that they are burned up by the fire of love. Um, that's to speak somewhat poetically, especially in, you know, friendships between men, because if anyone starts speaking about the fires of love in a friendship between or among men, it's like, Hey, no longer friends. Um, just kidding, but seriously, but, um, um, but, uh, but yeah, there are certain things that you wouldn't address. And if you were to address, it would be kind of precious. It's like, really, are we going to, are we going to troubleshoot every single one of our problems? Because if we do, I've got some things to tell you. Um, whereas there are other things that pose serious obstacles to friendship. And if you don't address them, then you just drift, right? You kind of just write the person off and then you begin to live apart. So I think that, yeah, mortal sin is just the type of thing that needs addressing in a serious way for which the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of penance is instituted. 
Uh, yeah, but when it comes to the church's tradition and making a distinction between mortal and venial sins, here we can kind of compare the Western practice to the Eastern practice, which doesn't admit so much of fine shades. Um, I think that there's a, a kind of greater, maybe not appreciation for, but a greater insistence on the mystery of all Christian things uh, in the East, whereas in the West we tend to be kind of informed by, you know, Greek philosophy and Roman law. We're like, but really, what is it? Because I think that grace nature can have some intellectual access to these things. So I think, I mean, it's, it starts with our, with our reading of Scripture. So you have these passages in Scripture which talk about big sins that can be forgiven, uh, but certain sins which can't be forgiven, right, if not repented for, uh, you know, like this, the kind of ways in which we would, we would kind of find purgatory described, uh, especially in the Gospels. Uh, and, then, and then the early church's penitential practice reflects this. So in the first few centuries of the church, you would have to join the order of penitence if you committed certain big sins. So the big trifecta is apostasy, if you would reject the faith. Um, so you can think about these persecutions of the church in the Roman um, Empire, like 250 Decius, 257 Valerian, I want to say like 303 Galerian. I'm just making stuff up now. No, I think that's true. Okay, keep going. Um, but if you were to apostatize in one of those circumstances, or if you were to commit murder, or if you were to commit an act of adultery, you would have to join the order of penitence, and there would be this long process whereby you were reconciled to Catholic communion. So there was already there this sense that some things are bad, and then some things are bad, bad, bad. And what we're doing here is, you know, kind of the work of tradition that receives that teaching and unpacks it. So one of the places that I always go to with this uh, is that it comes right from Scripture, this idea, mortal versus venial sin, right? So in the first letter of John, chapter 5, verse 16. Check that out, Father Gregory, more biblical citations. Yeah, you could say like 16 <laughs> and 18. But um, anyway, there, it's, there the apostle, the author of the letter, distinguishes between sin that is deadly and sin that is not deadly. And that's mm. verbatim the text. So listen to this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that is not a deadly sin, he will ask, and God will give him life for those whose sin is not deadly. There is sin which is deadly. I do not say pray for that one. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin which is not deadly. Okay, so right there, we get a sense that there, there is a kind of thing that is a deadly sin a mortal sin or a grave sin. This is language that's often interchangeable, right? And a venial sin, which is a lesser sin, um, a lighter sin. Uh, Father Gregory, what, you know, like if you, if you say like a sin is mortal, wh what's the big consequence? What is, you know, we're, we're getting around this distinction, but like what's the cash value? What's that mean in our lives as Christians? Yeah, so we use the word mortal in non-Christian settings to describe something that's, fatal or lethal um so like uh, a soldier suffers a mortal wound on the field of battle it's a wound that deals death and i think that what we're talking about with a mortal sin is the type of spiritual wound that deals death to the life of grace so i think when when people will explain mortal sins oftentimes they'll go back to the old testament and then they'll kind of start with the ten commandments and you know you can kind of enumerate them and either you're catholic or you're protestant listening uh, Father Bonaventure once made a mistake because somebody described a sin against the Sixth Commandment, and he was like, wait a second, who's stealing who? Um, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But um, so in, in that enumeration, right, there are punishments assigned for breaches against the Ten Commandments, and oftentimes those punishments would be 
um, death, right? So if you were to commit a sin against, you know, one of the Ten Commandments as they are understood kind of in their utmost sense, then you would suffer, you know, death by stoning or something like that. And so there's the sense that there are certain breaches against God, neighbor, or the Christian community, or the kind of Israelite community in the Old Testament context, which put you outside, which make it such that you can't be reconciled this side of eternity. And I think that what we're describing when we describe mortal sin is the type of breach against God, neighbor, or the Christian community, which puts you outside of the communion of grace because you have willingly held it off at arm's length. You have willingly turned away from it. You have willingly sinned against it. Um, and then venial sins, right, comes from the word vania or pardon, which means that they're more so pardonable offenses. So they don't incur the same punishment because they don't traffic in the same type of grave offense. So, yeah, that'd be like an Old Testament kind of standard or paradigm whereby we kind of come into our present understanding. I, one of the, the images that I think, uh, you know, to think visually about this, one of the images that I think is very helpful is the idea that all sin is a turning from God to a created good, right? So the kind of the the kind of reorientation of life and of priority to things that are lesser and insufficient for happiness. Uh, so when so when we commit a mortal sin, it's a complete turning, right? Um, mm -hmm. To the op to face the opposite direction. So it's a one it's a one eighty. But a venial sin is like yeah, just turn the dial a little, you know, just a little bit away from God, you know, not so much, but just kind of enough to cause trouble, right? Um, and I, th I think that turning, um, the, the turning image is very helpful, especially when we realize that sin is this kind of replacement for the infinite good of our souls, the fulfillment of all of our desires, which is God, uh, and preferring instead lesser goods, imperfect and finite things, uh, which are incapable, as Father Gregory likes to say, of bearing the weight of our hearts. Our whole hearts, love. That's my go-to. Okay. Yeah, for about <laughs> right. Well, you know. I can almost quote you. <laughs> yeah, you're killing it. Uh, one of the images that one of our professors of moral theology used, I think he, he, he likened it to a car trip. Okay, let's say that you're on a little drive about <clears throat> and you're going to whatever destination. We are here in Washington, D.C., which is currently like 97,000 degrees and swampful. And so let's say that we're driving to a place that's a little cooler. Like let's say we're driving to Quebec City. Uh, because we read Shadows on the Rock by Willa Cather, and we've been inspired. Yes, and that's right. Let's We're go. go pray at Francois Laval's tomb. That's right. And you're on the way, and uh, sometimes you encounter obstacles of different sorts. So sometimes you're driving like a maniac, or you haven't sufficiently caffeinated for the day, and you're getting distracted, and you wreck your vehicle. All right? That is the equivalent of a mortal sin in this here analogy, because you've cut yourself off from the end. You no longer even have... The ordinary mode of conveyance. I don't know why. The first words that come to my mind are like things taken out of an 18th century novel. You no longer have a car, okay? You can't get there because you just can't get there, all right? And there are no Greyhound buses that are coming through I-87 at this time of day. Um, whereas a venial sin is like when you see the sign that says Chick-fil-A off this exit, and then you get off the exit, and the next sign says that the Chick-fil-A is like 8.6 miles away. You're like, holy smokes, this is like a 25-minute detour. But the chicken is worth it, kind of, you say to yourself, but is it worth it? So a venial sin is like a detour from the goal whereby you are deflected. So mortal sin, it's a game changer. It's a game ender, truth be told. Whereas a venial sin is such that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's adopting a bad means to the end. It's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. And as a result of which, not, not so much taking your eyes off the prize as deferring the prize, 
till a later time or deferring the prize until such time as it, you know, kind of happens to you. So following our usual customs, whenever we're talking about goodness and the approach thereof, we've referenced chicken milkshakes implied, you know, not, not, (laughs) not direct, not directly named there. Um, When we get back after this short break, we'll be talking about how to tell the difference between the two, because I think for a lot of people, this is the big problem. Okay. You know, uh, it's all well and good that some things are grave and some things are less grave, but how do I know the difference in my life? So we'll, we'll keep plugging away at these questions when we come back. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Hello, fans. Welcome back. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that brief break. Yeah, I know the Harry Carey jokes are still going to, you know, kind of, you know. Thinking of our Cubs fans, friends out there. Um, so so I posed the question just before the break, right? Uh, how do you tell the difference between a mortal sin and a venial sin? As a confessor, this is a question that I get all the time in the confessional. You know, Father, I'm, I, Father, I'm trying to figure out, uh, do I need to confess this? And for a Catholic, what that means is, do I, do I need to a- acknowledge the wrongdoing in such a way that, that this sin can only be repaired by the graces of the sacrament of confession. Um, so, Father Gregory, well, how do you how do you help people that give you this question? Uh, you know, that presented to you. How do you distinguish between a mortal sin and a venial sin? I think a good approach is to start with the objective and then move to the subjective, in the sense that you start with the facts as they exist in the world, and then you move to your appropriation of those facts. Because as important as, you know, the kind of habits, acts, and consequences are, so too, your approach to the thing is also important. So when it comes to a mortal sin, the Catechism says that there must be grave matter, knowledge, and consent. So it's got to be a bad, bad thing. Um, So it's not just a matter of you're doing something maliciously, thereby turns it into a mortal sin, because it could be a light thing, and as a result of which... It can't become mortal by mere virtue of the fact that you've kind of gritted your teeth and twisted the knife. Um, So, like, for instance, if you're walking down the hallway and you see, I don't know, like a a clot of dirt in the cloister walk, right? Everyone's hallways should be so defined as cloister walks. Um, And you're (laughs) like, I could pick that up or I could just let the next person kind of stomp on it and kick it around. Uh, By virtue of the fact that you maybe like... Yeah, right. The, by virtue of the fact that you just don't like the guy whose responsibility is to clean up the cloister walk, you're like, whatever, I don't really care too much. It's a small thing, and it doesn't become a mortal sin by virtue of the fact that you're like, stick it to the hall sweeper. So I think it's good just to start there. There are certain things that are grave, and there we would say that they map to the Ten Commandments, all right? So we're talking about grave offenses against the worship of God, the ma- you know, like the maintaining of the Sabbath, the you know, hallowing the Lord's name, the dot, 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 four through ten. And then you have to know it, and then you have to choose it, right? So there has to be some knowledge, and there has to be some consent. And then when we talk about knowledge and consent, we typically go to certain obstacles to or impediments to full knowledge and then to full voluntariety or to full consent. 
And those would be the types of things that might undermine a mortal sin such that it no longer can be understood as mortal. And the things we would list there would be like fear or coercion or maybe like addiction would be something that we would introduce into the conversation at this point. So I think, yeah, start objective and then move subjective. But that's me. What do you what do you typically do to approach it? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's really helpful um, because some things some things are just very clear, as you said, you know, there there is the list of things in the commandments, but then things become very difficult. Right. And some of it's even um, a little bit of biblical interpretation. So, for example, uh, when our Lord teaches that if you've committed adultery um, in your heart, you've committed adultery. Okay, so there seem to be there seem to be even in even in the sacred text equivalencies there that are difficult uh, that are difficult to distinguish. Um, so part of what's going on when you are assessing the gravity of a sin is you're recognizing, um, exploring, trying to trying to open and prod where your own conscience is actually at. Where am I in my own spiritual life? How how uh, how have I preferred things other than God? And you know, how has that affected my pursuit of my final ultimate end, which is God Himself? Um, so I think I think your language of of recognizing that there's a combination of objective and subjective here is is very helpful. Uh, now some people get some people get um, very concerned about what must be confessed in the confessional. Father Joseph Anthony and I did an episode recently on scrupulosity, which got a lot of good feedback, actually. Thank you all for that. We love hearing from you. Um, but uh, I think that I think that another question arises is, um, what what are the kinds of things that I need to be confessing in the confessional? Um, you know, so scrupulosity is the error of bringing everything to the confessional. How is it exactly that we hone our conscience to find those things which must be named? Boom. I see an opportunity to mention the virtue of prudence, and I will pass up no opportunity to mention the virtue of prudence. So I think it's, it's helpful to situate this in light of what the goal of Christian life is, which is to become like God. And God gives us the opportunity to become like him, not just in giving us grace, bestowing on us grace as if he were some like grace-giving sugar daddy in the sky, but he also wants us to be like him as as agents, right? He wants us to be real causes. He wants us to be kind of you know, like deeply implicated in the actual goings on of our life, not just passive observers, passive observers thereof. Whoa, double down on V's and things get confusing. Um, so I think that whenever we're talking then about agency, whenever we're talking about prudence, we're talking about doing what you can with what you have. And that's not to say like content yourself with second best, but it is to say the goal of prudent action is, is to do what's virtuous. The goal of prudent action isn't to optim optimize or maximize. So we're not going to confess things that represent less optimal or less maximal goods. We're going to confess things which actually undermine the growth in the life of virtue. So I think that, you know, a prudent person approaches the situation and takes account of the fact like, okay, what is my past experience dictated? And when I take counsel from wise people, how does that form my understanding of the situation? And as I have come to mature in my understanding and in my reason and like looking forward to the future and taking account of all the pertinent circumstances, like how do I do something here which redounds to the good? How do I do something here which is virtuous? And then one kind of has a sense when he or she deflects from that or when he, he or she uh, chooses against what would redound to the life of virtue, what would redound to the good of God, self, and others. And, you know, there's like a kind of casuistry that comes with that. So like, it's going to mean evaluating it case by case, because part of being a human being is being on the way and getting better and better at exercising our graced agency. 
Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. So we confess those things um, in which we fall short, but with the understanding that we're we're doing it to the end of growing. So here, a very concrete example, like stealing, for instance. How do you know whether or not an act of theft is a mortal sin or is a venial sin or is perhaps something praiseworthy? So St. Thomas will say, in, in, in a case where you have, um, you know, like responsibility to feed your family, you have no means, you can't find a way by which to get, you know, material aid. Um, the, the excess or the superfluous resources of the rich actually kind of become yours because of the universal destination of goods. Okay, so that's a particular situation. But then let's say that you don't actually need those things. You're just taking it because it's easier rather than availing yourself of whatever means the state or the church has provided. Okay, so that's a different situation. Let's say you take something small. Let's say you take something that costs 20 bucks. That's one situation. Let's say you take something that costs $500. That's a different situation. Like in the moral manuals where the church hasn't pronounced on concrete details, you'll find these different moral theologians kind of making judgment calls. So some will say, if you steal something that's in excess of a day's wage, that's a mortal sin. If it's less than a day's wage, that's a venial sin. Right? But that's a judgment call based on the life of virtue as exercised by Christians throughout the course of the church's life. So the thing to keep in mind there is the goal is to be prudent. The goal is to act in accord with the good, to love God, self, and neighbor in a way that um, you know is proper to your own vocation. But with the realization that we're going to stumble through it, but Part of human life is stumbling unto the good as God gives us leave to do. Yeah, I think the, I mean, one of the best things to discuss in the spiritual life um, are what we call the three stages uh, or the three ages to refer to the great work by uh, Father Garagou Lagrange. But one of the things that we understand is that if you're regularly committing mortal sins, you're at the like the bottom level of the spiritual life because these have to be rooted out before there can be any advancement. And that the spiritual life does, uh, that, that we do rather experience in the spiritual life, a sense of growth because we're going somewhere. We're getting closer to God. And so one of the classic ways to understand this then is this tree, this, um, this threefold, this trifecta, uh, this tripartite schema uh, known as the purgative, the, illumita the illuminative, and the unitive ways. Okay, And these three levels are roughly uh, the stages of life. You can think of the purgative way when you're rooting out, uh, where you're rooting out those mortal sins, those grave sins, trying to, to fix yourself in the good. Uh, you could think of that stage as like infancy. And then the illuminative way, the next step is a kind of adolescence. And the unitive way, that kind of uh, full and robust living of life with God uh, would be like adulthood, right? So we can think of them as a kind of uh, progression. Um, Thomas Aquinas speaks about these three stages. St. John on the Cross does. Uh, so it's a super common way of understanding the spiritual life. And it's helpful for us to say like, well, okay, uh, what what is it that I need to be about in my life? Well, it's rooting out mortal sin. And it's, it's taking out those obstacles which keep me at the base um, level from being conformed to God and getting rid of those things uh, which are obstacles to his grace and to his mercy. Yeah, and I think that the kind of rooting out comes by way of crowding out. So in any of these considerations, right, the point is God. The point is to grow in union with God. So the illuminative and the unitive ways kind of show us a path, not only that kind of unfolds at stage two and three, but one that already shapes what we do at stage one. Because if you focus 
myopically on the rooting out of sin, it, it tends to kind of crowd your mind with thoughts of sin, whereas you want to crowd those thoughts out and fill fill your mind, fill your heart with thoughts of God. And so here, this this also helps to bring into focus why the church talks about venial sins, not because they represent the same kinds of obstacles as mortal sins, which kill the life of grace in the soul, but because if they're tolerated, if they're permitted to continue, um, you know, like undeterred, uh, or if they're permitted to kind of accumulate, as it were, then they conduce to mortal sin because they deaden us to the reality of God. They deaden us to the life of grace. Um, and then we find ourselves slipping into mortal sin by virtue of the fact that we haven't addressed those smaller sins, which have come in, you know, by, by indirection. So I think that um, uh, this, this is to kind of answer the question obliquely, how do you sort out the division between mortal sin and venial sin? Well, oftentimes we do so practically insofar as mortal sins give way to venial sins and venial sins, you know, give way to Christian perfection. We, we kind of recognize it after the fact. We look back on our lives and we see what were the principal obstacles and then what were the kind of secondary obstacles as God has given us to, to heal and to grow beyond them. Now, that's not to say that everyone does experience a straightforward or um, a kind of robust progression by, by leaps and bounds, right? So that's not to say that we should feel despair if we're not able to look back and, and see just this. But it, it kind of shapes for us our understanding of our present struggles. Righteous. But, well, um, I think that's a wrap. Um, if after <laughs> this episode you have more questions about the difference between mortal and venial sins, Father Gregory would love to hear them. So please reach out to us. No, I do mean <laughs> that. We actually, we actually like hearing from our listeners. Uh, it's, it's fun because this work... This work is meaningful to us, um, and it's purposeful. We, we want to talk about the kinds of things that you want to talk about. So any suggestions for episodes, comments, um, we, we, in all seriousness, welcome them. Uh, please continue to like and share the podcast. We grow because you recommend us. Um, if you're interested in some leisurely beach reading, <laughs> might I recommend St. Dominic's Way of Life, uh, a book that until now Father Gregory had not heard of. Uh, it's not true. He read the manuscript for us several times. He's great help. Um, but, uh, you can find the links to the book on the website and on our social media. Uh, we thank all of those, uh, donors who support us in our work, who continue to help us improve the quality of our recordings by, uh, providing the money we need, uh, for our equipment upgrades. So thanks to our patrons, uh, our patrons, our patrons. I always screw that up. Anyway, it's whatever. We're we're grateful for our benefactors. There Bingo. Uh, so to all of those uh, who are listening today, uh, God bless. Know of our prayers. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of Saint Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.